What's going on, everybody? It's Dylan James and JT Taylor. Out of bounds. Hanging out here in the apartment, watching the rainfall on a very dreary Sunday evening, watching some football. Los Angeles Rams versus New Orleans Saints. Great game so far. 35-24, Saints are up in the third quarter. We've got some good games. We had some good games today. We're going to have a good game tomorrow night, hopefully. The Titans versus the Cowboys. Had some good college football yesterday, which we'll talk about. And uh, so much more. Baseball. Things that we've missed over the past few weeks because of our crazy schedule. We're still trying trying to figure out the nuances of our schedules together and trying to find where our free time intersects. And guess what? Today it intersected on Sunday. Yeah, guys, I know you guys have missed us. I know a lot of people have been asking me, like, when are you going to do your next show? So me and Dylan, like he mentioned, we've been very busy. Our, our days off aren't the same, but we're always working on trying to get a schedule to do a show. Now, in case you all were wondering, a lot of stuff has happened the past few weeks. No, me and Dylan did not go to South Carolina. We did not win the Mega Billion Dollars. We didn't. No, If that was the out. case... We would we not be, be here. here right now. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. No offense, guys. No offense. Or, or the opposite. We would be here recording this full time and leave our other jobs. Yes, that's true, too. Um, but we did take advantage of that extra hour of sleep yesterday. So thank you, non-daylight savings time. Even though it is pitch black outside. I'm going to get used to that, Dylan. I have Getting off of work too. at 6 o'clock. And it's pitch black in Florida. You know, I can't complain because I know up in the northeast, Buffalo, Boston, it gets dark at like 3.30 in the afternoon. So we can't complain about that. I get triggered in this weather because in Tennessee, when it used to get dark like this at night, it meant, especially in the winter, it meant it was a cold night. Um, But in Florida, we don't have cold nights. (laughs) We have maybe maybe five of them throughout the year. And I think we've already had one. So we're good the rest of the winter. (laughs) <laughs> we might well, have four To be more, fair, that was maybe. in the 60s, not like well, in January where it was true. like record-breaking 30-degree weather. True, but I did see a lot of hoodies, a lot of jeans, a lot of parkas in Florida. Yeah, Under Armour, we were definitely – I was there working the other night, and we were definitely making some money on the on the cold gear stuff. Yeah, winter stuff is crazy. busy. <laughs> Insane. Anyway, we have a lot to cover this week in sports, so let's jump right into it with college football. Starting with week 10 in college football, let's recap some of the – Biggest games of the weekend, Georgia versus Kentucky. Kentucky didn't have a chance in this one. 34-17, Georgia ran away with it. Georgia's showing the power they have on offense and also on defense as well. Kentucky's a great offensive team, and Georgia went in and dominated. Yeah, Dylan, Kentucky, they're on a surprising season. They were leading the ATC East. Everyone thought they were going to make some noise at home, but Georgia had other ideas, and Jake Fromm, you know, getting on fire and keeping that team rolling for Georgia. As they are now, with that win, they've now clinched the SEC East. So they will be the representative of the SEC East division when the SEC Championship game is next month. So good thing for the dogs. And that's crazy to think that Kentucky was just that close to getting the SEC Championship, uh, SEC East title um, this season. That's just absolutely insane to think that they could possibly go to the SEC Championship game. Um, they've been playing some really good football. I think there are some good things that are happening, some bad things that are happening too. Um, I think they're relying more on their quarterback to run than to pass. Um, I think that their defense is not as strong as it should be um, against formidable opponents like Georgia. 
So they need some things to fix. But next week they play up against Tennessee, the Volunteers. And uh, we'll talk about that game in just a little bit that they had uh, this week. But Tennessee only won 14-3 this week. And that's not going to be good enough uh, to go up against Kentucky. I, I still think Tennessee could win, but we'll still, again, we'll talk about it later in the show. Uh, West Virginia versus Texas at Texas. JT, I know you were watching this game. This was a huge game. And they lost by one, 42-41. West Virginia takes it home. Yeah, Dylan, this was a very big game, and it had Big 12 championship implications. And that's why I think why West Virginia went for two when they could have just tied the game and would have gone to overtime. I mean, for Texas, look, Sam Ellinger was great. He was getting touchdowns. Little John Humphrey had this great catch, great catch in the third going in the fourth quarter to keep Texas ahead. We were up like twice against late and against West Virginia, but West Virginia, who has one of the top power offenses in the Big 12, like Texas Tech and like Oklahoma, they can score a lot of points. And Will Greer, you got to give that man credit. You know, Heisman performance right there. And Texas, you know, it was a blown opportunity for us because if we would have won that game, we would be in a driver's seat to get to the Big 12, which will be the championship game, which will be in Dallas. And we could have played Oklahoma or we could have played West Virginia again. Now with three losses, you know, we, we can kiss the, the playoff goodbye, unfortunately oh, yeah, for us. Oh, yeah, for sure. But we still have a chance to make a, a decent bowl game. But for Texas... We got to move on and focus because we got Texas Tech this week. And Texas Tech, they gave Oklahoma all they can handle last night. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for West Virginia, they're now in the driver's seat, Dylan, because now they're leading the Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma has a loss. And Texas, we have two losses in the division. So, or not division, the, the conference. So West Virginia now, they're in the driver's seat to go with the Big 12 championship game. And they play Oklahoma at the last game of the season. So that's huge, Dylan, because if West Virginia, obviously they beat Oklahoma, they win the go to the championship game, and then we would probably finish second if we keep winning out, and we could get a rematch. So we could still see them uh, next month in December. But Texas, we just got to keep moving because we got big games. Texas Tech, and then we got, um, I think we play Kansas later on, Iowa State, and then, of course, if we make it to the Big 12 championship game, we could play West Virginia again, so we'll see. So, looking at this game, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but in the fourth quarter, with almost three minutes left to go in the game, Texas goes for a touchdown, gets it. Um, at that point, it's thirty four to forty. In your mind, do you think they should have gone for two in that situation? They could have, but like I said, we were we were up, we were up big, and our defense was doing good against West Virginia. We were slowing them down. It's just those last few drives we couldn't slow them down. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, Will Greer, you got to get credit for him keeping the team going. And like I said, what was crazy about that last play, West Virginia called a timeout to get the formation going. Then when they're there, Texas didn't like the matchup with the wide receiver and the defensive back. So Tom Herman calls a timeout. Then the third play where they were going for two, Will Greer basically had a wide open lane. We all forgot about him. And he runs in there and gets a two-point conversion. My guys, are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. But – Tom Herman, you know, look, he he decided to stick with his guns and go for it. And Texas, we've improved, Dylan, because last year we had a lot of close games, and we were 1-4 in those close games that were less than a touchdown. This year, I mean, we're 4-3, and three, a slight improvement, but it's better, better than what we had last year. And Texas, you know, they just got to keep it up, keep their heads up, and 
We're going to have a strong season, make a bowl game, and maybe next year, Dylan, we'll finally get in the national championship picture and get in the playoffs. This year was just too early. Yeah. And you look at it, too, those, that two-point conversion. They actually converted it twice, if you look at it, because right before they got the first time, Tom, Her- Tom Herman actually um, called the timeout. But still, they oh, got that's it. that's right. You forgot. They got that's it right. twice. So, I mean, that offense is formidable. That's the reason why I asked about the two-point conversion for Texas, because they knew the offense was doing well for West Virginia. They knew their offense was doing well in Texas. So you might as well go for two in that situation. Try to make it to where, where it's 42 um, to 34. If not, if you miss it, guess what? You're still 42 to 40, and you still have a chance to possibly get a field goal at the very end. But, um, you know, hindsight's 20-20, like I said, once again. Uh, Will yeah. Greer, is he still in the Heisman watch? Do you still think he, oh, he's, yeah. he's there? He's, he's definitely in that race, especially after that performance yesterday. He's definitely in the race. I don't know if he's going to win it. A lot of people are picking uh, Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma quarterback. That's going to be a slam dunk and win it. But he's definitely going to close that gap. So we'll see. But Dana Holgerson, the quarterback, the coach for West Virginia, he said we were going for two. And he said, he asked Will Greer, you want to win this game? Let's go win this bleeping game. Let's do it. <laughs> and they went on to win the game. So, you know, Herm Edwards, what do you always say, Dylan? Why do you play the games? Yep. To you win, win the game. You play to win the game. Exactly. So there you go. That's what you do. All right. Penn State versus Michigan at Michigan. And that game was huge, huge for Mr. Harbaugh. 42-7 to against Penn State. Held them scoreless until the end of the fourth quarter. Absolutely incredible performance by Michigan on both sides of the ball. Yeah, this was the best game I've seen for Michigan all year, Dylan. And for Jim Harbaugh, I mean, that is really good performance for their quarterback. And... For Michigan, they're kind of on a revenge tour this year. They lost to Penn State. They lost to Michigan State last year. They lost to Ohio State. And this year, they beat Penn State. They beat Michigan State. You still got Ohio State at the end of the year, who's been kind of reeling. Ohio State, remember, they barely beat Nebraska this weekend. So, if Michigan can win out, Dylan, they're in the playoff. They're going to make it. And Jim Harbaugh, this is all he needed was to get their quarterback, it's Kelly, right? I think, I think so. So, yeah, they get him going. So, that's great, Dylan. That was the concern. Could they get it going? And the defense was good. The offenses looked good. Let's see, Dylan. And they could still – well, Northwestern – no, that was a non-conference game. So, Northwestern could still win the West. So, yeah, if they went out, Dylan, Michigan's in. They just got to keep winning. And Ohio State, Dylan, is the only team that's going to derail them going towards the playoffs. Yeah, and the quarterback is Patterson there for Michigan. Oh, Patterson. Okay. Patterson, yeah. I messed that up. My You're bad. good. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to Alabama. Alabama went to Death Valley and completely obliterated LSU. The offense and the defense scored 29 points on them and laid a goose egg for LSU. Um, that is the largest the largest lead um, against LSU in Death Valley, the largest win against them in Death Valley. And there's only been, f- I think, five times that they've gotten shut out in Death Valley, and every single time it's been Alabama. Every single time. Yeah, Dylan, it's just me or LSU hasn't had Alabama's number lately. I think, well, this is what, what the sixth or seventh out of eight years they've played that they've been losing to Alabama. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the only one I remember was that they beat Alabama was when Les Miles was the coach, and they beat them in that controversial play 
So they gave them the win at home. But then they played each other again in the national championship game a few months later, and Alabama shut them out, literally, in their, out, in their own house in New Orleans because it was in the Super Bowl or the Superdome. And now here we are in this game last night. I watched this game last night. You remember Alabama and LSU were going down the field, and the defenses were both uh, shutting the quarterbacks down. And then I thought Tua got hurt because he was holding his arm, so they pulled him out for a series. Then he comes back into the game, and Tua didn't miss a beat and basically carried Alabama and that offense to a 29 nothing shutout. And it just stunned the LSU crowd. And their quarterback for LSU, Burrow, so there were some times he was running around and didn't know what to do and because the Alabama defense was suffocating that offense. They just couldn't get nothing going against that Alabama defense, Dylan. And Alabama, Dylan, like I said, they're up here. Everybody else is down here. They have proven to me that they're the best team in college football. They are. And even if they slip up against Auburn or maybe they slip up against the SC Championship game, Alabama's going to playoff. They're the only team, Dylan, that can lose one game, like last year, and still make the playoff. And they will. They will make the playoff. They will go to the SEC Championship game. I believe they'll win that game handedly, too. Um, it's one of those teams that, you know, it, they're so formidable that you cannot penetrate their offense, their defense, their special teams. They're good on every single phase of the game. And that's the reason why they're the number one team in the country. Uh, they're going to keep rolling with this. I mean, even with our picks next week, guess what? I'm going to give you an upset alert. Alabama's going to win next week. It's not even an upset alert. It's not. It's, it's, it's common knowledge. They're going to win every single week. I don't know a team that can beat them in the regular season this year. Um, the playoffs are a completely different story with Alabama. Usually, um, you know, it, it's a 50-50 shot for Alabama in the championship game usually, but... Um, you know, I, I think that Alabama is going to win out the rest of the games, um, and they're going to. De- they deserve to be number one in the country. They de- they deserve it. I mean, it, it's it's no secret around here that they are the best team in the country. So let's move on to the next game: Notre Dame versus Northwestern. Northwestern almost had an upset alert against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame came back and won it thirty-one to twenty-one at Northwestern. Yeah, Ian Book, the quarterback for Notre Dame. Was very good, 22 out of 34, 348 passing yards, two TDs. I mean, Northwestern hung in there, but you knew Notre Dame was going to step it up, and they did that in the third and fourth quarter, getting 24 points for them to seal the deal over Northwestern, who a lot of people thought, of course, them leading the Big Ten West Division could cause an upset. But Notre Dame, I never saw a team that's done very well. Remember, Notre Dame still has to play USC at the end of the year, so we'll see how that goes. Or is it Stanford? one of those two California teams. Yeah. But they play one of them at the end of the year that could try to derail the season. And But Notre Dame's done very impressive. Very impressive for the Domers, man. Last game of the uh, slate here, Oklahoma versus Texas Tech at Texas Tech. Oklahoma won 51-46. to um, Churning and burning there in Texas Tech. But still, Texas Tech gave them a game. They actually brought their offense, and uh, they put it on display last night against Oklahoma's defense. And they are still ranked in the top 10, I believe, in AP poll anyway. Yeah, Dylan. Remember, Oklahoma had some trouble against Texas Tech because their quarterback, Alan Bowman, he was doing really well leading that team in the, in the offense, but he got injured, and apparently he, he was out the rest of the game. They're, I'm seeing on ESPN, they're saying that he got taken to the hospital because he had a partially collapsed lung. Holy. And then they had their backup quarterback try to keep him in the game, 
Jet, oh, I can't remember his last name on top of my head right now. Jet Duffy, there we go. But Texas Tech came up short against the Sooners because that could have been a huge win for Cliff Kingsbury's program and getting Texas Tech back in the Big 12 race. But now they lost. Texas Tech's got to take on Texas this week. But Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, man, keeping up that Heisman Trophy performance. So Oklahoma, they're looking good, Dylan. But Oklahoma does have to play Oklahoma State this week. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Anyways, Dylan, let's talk a little about UCF. They did have a game. Apparently people have forgotten about them. Maybe not. Paul Feinbaum or Kirk Herbstreit, but uh, UCF, they did win this weekend on well, this weekend on Thursday night football. They beat Temple 50 to 42. UCF was down at halftime, Dylan, but they bounced back second half to get that win over the Temple Owls. They scored 50 points in this game. And Temple came and actually had a very valiant effort scoring 42. But at the very end of the day, um, Temple fell short for UCF. Now they've won 21 straight games, and that's the longest active streak in a streak in college football. Which deservedly so, they're still in the top 25. Um, but JT, uh, apparently the AP top 25 poll came out, and uh, you said there's something on there I would not like. So let's talk about that. Yeah, just to re-mention, uh, Tash McGowan, the running back for UCF, he had two touchdowns game. And then Mackenzie Milton, man, he's been doing well. Got three touchdowns in that game. So critical for the UCF Knights uh, to keep winning. But, yes, Dylan, as you mentioned, the AP poll, it was just released today. The college playoff poll comes out on Tuesday. But the playoff committee clearly has not shown UCF any love. Oh, no. And now the AP poll no. is not showing any love. So let me just give you the, the rankings. Uh, don't tell me this. You got Alabama number one. Clemson, number two. You got Notre Dame, number three. You got Michigan, number four. Georgia, number five. Oklahoma, six. West Virginia, number seven. Ohio State, eight. LSU, nine. With two losses, they're at nine. And Washington State is at ten. Who's missing? Wait a second. So you said Oklahoma went up. They went up a spot. They went up a spot, yep. But they won by five points. No, no, no. That was uh, Ohio State. They barely beat Nebraska. Well, Oklahoma five. barely yeah. beat too. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. They did. What? Yeah. I don't get it. So, where, where, where is where is uh, UCF now? So UCF is ranked number eleven. Are you freaking kidding me? They dropped two spots in the AP poll. They're undefeated. Now they've won twenty-one straight games. Well, Dylan, I know we haven't been on the show the last three weeks Are or so. Are you kidding? But me? UCF is causing a firestorm right now. Of course, they are. I would be too. Paul Feinbaum is basically calling out the AD and says, and I quote: "The only thing UCF has going for them is their grandstanding athletic director, Are who you just kidding? can't keep his mouth shut, oh my but gosh. also can't schedule a decent opponent. Wow! And UCF's fan base is delusional." Wow. And Curve Herbstreit didn't get him any love either because he's basically saying there's like three or four teams like Fresno State that's better than UCF. Okay. Who okay. cares they what? won 21 straight games? And I'm like, look, guys, it's not UCF's fault that the bigger schools don't want to play them. They don't want to risk losing them. No. Okay? When they scheduled UNC and Pitt, this was probably like five years ago. It was. Back then, Mitchell Trubisky was the quarterback at UNC, okay, or whoever. And – no one thought UNC was going to be terrible this year. No one thought Pitt was going to be terrible this year. It's not UCS' fault that they tried to get in the Big 12 Conference, and the Big 12 was like, 
yeah, UCF, we like you, but we don't we don't want you. No, it's, um, it's not the their Big at Twelve all. excuse was, well, we like a round robin schedule where everybody plays everybody. We have a true champion. Yeah, whatever. And UCF, yeah, your football team's good, but your basketball team's not, and baseball or, or whatever. Come on, man, Big Twelve. West Virginia is the only Eastern Time Zone school in the conference. Don't you want to help them out? I mean, Florida is not close to West Virginia, but at least help them out a little bit. Well, there were two teams that were going to play at the end of the season. They were ranked at one point, Cincinnati and USF. Guess and now what? they're not ranked. Neither of those teams are ranked now. Is that UCF's fault? No. No, it's not UCF's fault. No, but the thing I don't understand, Dylan, is not only that, when the playoff committee came out this week, this past week, and released the rankings, and UCF was ranked 12, you had Florida and Kentucky ranked ahead of them. Well, we all knew, Dylan, both those teams were highly ranked higher than usual. And what happened this weekend? Florida gets blown out the doors off and swamped by Missouri. <laughs> 38 to what, 17? And... Kentucky got the blow, doors blow at home against Georgia. It wasn't even close. No. And UCF's like, hello, playoff committee. You just ranked two or three teams ahead of us, and they were overhyped, and they lost. Big, and now they drop, they, they drop down two spots in the AP poll. In the AP poll. We'll see when the playoff well, poll comes out on well, Tuesday. In the, in the CFP Tuesday, poll. Tuesday, I think they'll still be in the top ten. In the CFP poll, they had them at number 12 going into this weekend. So I don't see them moving up anymore. Well, Dylan, as I mentioned, for UCF, the best case scenario for to get in the playoff playoffs is that they're going to need absolute chaos, okay? We need LSU. We need Ohio State to lose. We need Michigan to lose. We need everybody ahead of them, Notre Dame to lose. Everybody ahead of them right now has to lose. The only teams, Dylan, I know that aren't going to lose is probably Alabama and Clemson. Clemson has the easiest schedule names. They ain't going to lose. Those two teams, you can pretty much bank them in the playoffs right now. And it's just a race for the other two slots. But that's the best case for UCF. Now, for UCF, Dylan, okay, if they finish undefeated, they're the highest ranked group of five team. So they can still make a New Year's Six, you know, one of the big bowl games. And they're going to probably play a big school out of the SEC or Big 12 or Pac-12, whatever. And look, UCF, you got to look at overall body of work, guys. I know they're, the playoff, the, the, the presence, like, oh, we're only focused on this year. What UCS played really? They undefeated had the long streak record, and you forget five years ago they beat Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl, and Blake Bortles was the quarterback. Okay, they went 0 and 12. Then they bounced back from that season in 2015. They beat Penn State. They beat Penn State, and then last year they beat Auburn in the bowl game. I, I don't understand what's enough. It's like Boise State tears you. Remember Boise State? Everyone loved them and. They had the Statue of Liberty fake when they beat Oklahoma in the, in the Fiesta Bowl and all that. And Boise State was going to the same thing. Yeah. And UCF's getting that treatment too. And everyone's like, oh, join the Power 5 Conference. Hello, do you not forget what happened with West Virginia? West Virginia wanted to go to the ACC. They didn't want them. They wanted to go to the SEC. They didn't want them. The Big 12 didn't want them. So the only op- – or Big 12, Big 10, excuse me. So the only team that took them, league that took them, was the Big 12. Yeah. So, I mean, UCF, look, they tried, but – Nobody, the big power schools don't want them. Yeah, and you also look at UCF too. The very the last three games they have: Navy, Cincinnati, and USF. In those three games, for UCF to have a chance, for them to be in the driver's seat of this situation, they have to blow out all three of those teams, blow them out. Which I think that, that 
I understand the college football playoff perspective of rankings when it comes to this team. They're saying, look, we understand UCF is a good football team. What we don't understand is why they're not blowing out these teams they're playing. Why they didn't blow out Temple by 20. Why they didn't blow out ECU by more than just 27. Why they didn't blow out Memphis the way they were supposed to. These teams that they played up against, they should have done more against. I, I completely understand. But at the same time, they're still undefeated. They're still finding ways to win when it matters. And they're winning these games. Well, not only that, I, the, the the criteria for the playoff committee for their rankings is like, oh, strength of schedule and who you played and how'd you win and all this. What is this, a beauty contest? Yeah, you well. know. UCF, look, I understand. It's not a beauty contest. It's a popularity contest. <laughs> well, yes. We got, popularity And contest. that's what UCF's arguments is. They're like, oh, because Ohio State plays in the Big Ten, and or LSU, they in the SEC, they got two losses. But because they played in the SEC, you got to rank them ahead of us. And I'm like, look, the only thing I can agree that UCF, what's hurting them right now, is their schedule. Only because all the teams they played, right now they're not ranked, any of them, and they all have losing records, except like USF and well, Navy has a losing record, too, this year. Cincinnati has a winning record. and But again, like you said, Dylan, it's not their fault. They got to play who they got to play, and they got to win. That's all they can do. And for UCF, I know they're trying to beef up the schedule, but it's going to be down the road. They got Stanford coming here next year, so that's huge. And that could be another big leap for them. But that's the thing I don't understand, Dylan. Why they want to penalize UCF and their strength schedule and who we play? At least they're trying to beef up the non-conference schedule. Ohio State... Who are they playing the first week of the season? Roast Beef Tech? Or oh, Alabama playing Savannah State? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Come on. It's ridiculous. Like, but, don't penalize them with the Big 12 when you got these other schools that are playing FCS schools and bl- paying a bunch of money to get blown out. Come on, man. Yeah, insane. Uh, anyway, let's go to our college pick em, uh because I'm, I'm tired of getting upset about UCF yeah. not being considered a top team in the nation. Um, let's just do a rapid-fire College pick them this week. So yeah, yeah. let's start off with Mississippi State at Alabama. Well, do I think Any you question both about agree that, yeah. that Alabama's going to win that game? Alabama's going to win that game. No okay. question. Clemson at Boston College. Ooh, I mean, Boston College, they're on, you know, done very well. They've won their, a lot of their, their games recently. And Boston College, they're at home, so they got a chance for an upset. But, Dylan, I got to go with Clemson on this one. Clemson's number two. Clemson's going to stay number two. They're going to win this game easily. Auburn at Georgia. Ooh, this game's going to be close to them between the Tigers and the Dogs. But, Dylan, I think the Dogs are going to hang on. They're at home, and they're going to beat Auburn. Auburn, Dylan, they've been kind of up and down. Their running game's been struggling. I just don't know if they're going to be able to hang with the Dogs for four quarters, Dylan. So that's why I got to go with Georgia on this one. I don't think they will either because they lost against Tennessee. And Tennessee's – I love Tennessee. Don't get me wrong. This season, they're not that good. So I have to go with Georgia at home um, in this game. Let's go to Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Is there a chance for an upset? Well, Dylan, it's a rivalry game. It's Bedlam. Oklahoma State, they've had Oklahoma on the ropes the last few seasons. So it's going to be a closer game than the experts thinks. But Oklahoma State, one thing they don't have is a Heisman Trophy candidate, and that is Kyler Murray on Oklahoma. Yes, it pains me. I'm a Texas fan. I don't want the Sooners to win. But the Sooners are going to win this game, Dylan. And the only slip-up I see Oklahoma having is if – they want to play West Virginia. That's the only team that can probably shock them. But they're going to be Oklahoma State. No question about it. Yeah, Oklahoma State is an afterthought for Oklahoma. The Sooners will win this game. And last but not least, Ohio State at Michigan State. Ooh, Dylan, I really am considering putting Ohio State an upset alert in this one. 
And look, Michigan, I know they've Michigan State, excuse me. <laughs> I know they've Come been struggling. <laughs> you were going to make some Michigan State fans very upset. East Lansing, I'm so sorry. You hit me up on JT Soccer 88 on Twitter if I upset you. Yes, please. But <laughs> I really do think Michigan State has a chance to upset Ohio State. Look, Ohio State, Dylan, they struggle against Nebraska, who was one in, who two and six. I mean, come on. You can't beat Crush Nebraska at home. So, no, Dylan. Ohio State, and the week before they lost to Purdue. So, they've been shaky, Dylan. So, I have to put them on upset alert. And I think, Dylan, Michigan State, they're going to show up. Like, they show up for these big games. They didn't against Michigan. But I think they will against Ohio State. Well, they have against Michigan before. And that's why I'm going to give them consideration for this game. Because Michigan State does play well in big games like this. Um, historically they do anyway, not maybe, maybe not this season, but historically they do. So I'm going to give Michigan State the edge in this one. I'm going to say Michigan State does goes on upset alert as well. So if Ohio State wins, we're both screwed. Um, anyway, and UCF will play up against Navy this weekend. Uh, does Navy have a chance against UCF? Dylan, Navy's really been struggling. They lost their, their last game, and they've just been struggling. I think they're, what, 2-6, and 2-7 and sevens right now, Navy is? Yeah, something like so that. So they're not doing so hot. UCF, Dylan, we know we've been on fire. Everyone's fired up right now with UCF with where they're ranked. And that's going to motivate these players, Dylan, because they're like, oh, we're getting disrespect? Oh, no, man, we're going to blow the doors off and win these games impressively and make some noise. So Navy, because they run that triple option option offense, Dylan, you got to take them seriously. But at the end of the day, Dylan, I do believe that UCF – will find a way to win that game. It was a nail-biter, but Navy, remember, they got shut out by Cincinnati 42-0 to this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I would expect UCF to blow them up, maybe not 42-0, to but at Close. least by 30 points. Close. At Hopefully least. so, yeah. I mean, and again, if they have a chance in the college football playoff, which, again, they and probably Navy's don't. And Navy's 2-7. It's a, it's a long shot for the college football playoff. But if they go into if they go against Navy and they decide to blow them out like they're supposed to, then they have a better shot. So I think they will win against Navy pretty handedly. Um, I'd say by at least two touchdowns, they'll win. So um, anyway, let's move on to the NFL. And oh. speaking of NFL, well, they had to screen up. But it was tied between the Saints and the Rams, 35-35 right now. It's, yeah, it's a good game so far. And the Rams, their undefeated streak is on the line right now against the Saints. Saints are playing really good football, though. So um, we'll see if Drew Brees can pull it out against the undefeated Rams. Now let's move on to some more NFL talk. The Kansas City Chiefs are just tearing it up. Um, they're 8-1 and one so far this season, and including this win against Cleveland Browns today with their brand-new head coach, interim head coach, Greg Williams. Yeah, how funny is that? He used to be with the, the St. Louis Rams. He was with the the Titans the, the before Titans that. for a little bit. The Saints was, before that. Yeah, the Saints. Hashtag like, Bounty Gate. Hashtag Bounty Gate. That's <laughs> I all had to go. Saying. I had to do it. I had to do it. But uh, yeah, Dylan, the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes. You know, three touchdowns. Very impressive. And, and the Browns. I, I. It was. You must really be tough to be a Cleveland Browns fan right now. I, you had so much hope. You've won two games. So that's a positive. But. You let Hugh Jackson go, and this is the performance we have. And I think, Dylan, for the Browns, uh, Baker Mayfield, there was a big clash between how Hugh Jackson won the running offense and how Baker Mayfield won the running offense. In the end, the ownership decided, you know, we're going with Baker Mayfield because we spent a lot of money on this guy, high draft pick, and Hugh Jackson, uh, get out. So now there's speculation that 
the Browns are going to talk to Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma, after their season's done. And there's talk that they might try to bring him to – and it makes sense because he was the quarterback there when he was the coaching, and he did very well for uh, with Baker Mayfield last year, getting Oklahoma into the playoffs. So that will be an interesting thing to follow for the Cleveland Browns. But for Dylan, the, the Browns is over. They're, they're focused on next year. One thing that did surprise me this today in their game was the – L.A. Chargers beating the Seahawks in Seattle, 25-17. And they're sitting there, Dylan, at 6-2, and two, hanging in there with the Chiefs in the AFC West. I mean, no one thought the Chargers were going to be this good, Dylan. And no one's been going to their games, but, hey, they've been winning. They've been winning, exactly. Phillip Rivers, I'm telling you, he's an elite quarterback in the NFL. He's been an elite quarterback for several years, but... He's been, it's just been not good for them, for the Chargers the past few years. They haven't been, um, there hasn't been consistency, things of that nature. But you see Phillip Rivers, you see Melvin Gordon, you see um, Antonio, uh, uh, Antonio Gates. I mean, players like that, they're actually doing really good things for this football team. I think they have a really good shot of making some noise in the playoffs and continuing this, this, the winning ways they're, um, they're presenting right now in the, in the league. But um, the Chiefs right now, they are the number one team in the AFC. I, I think they're, I mean, the Patriots have come into their own. They're 6-2 and two right now. But the Kansas City Chiefs, they're killing it. Absolutely killing it. I think the Chiefs are going to continue to win like this, though. Um, but I, they are definitely, hands down, the number one team in the, in the NFL, in the AFC at least. Um, if, 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 if Patrick Mahomes stays healthy. But they have a lot of weapons on that offense. Oh, and the Saints apparently got a field goal, so right now they're up 38-35 over the Rams with six minutes to go in the game. Uh, yeah, Dylan, the Falcons, they won today being the Redskins, 38-14. A uh, great game for Matt Ryan, four touchdowns. I, I wish I would have put in my fantasy team, but <laughs> I had Mitch Trubisky in there because they were playing the Bills, and even though they crushed the Bills 41-9, he didn't give me a lot of points. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, the Panthers beat the Buccaneers 42-28. So if it's magic, you know, uh, I struggle. But it's the Panthers. They're really good. The Steelers beat the Ravens in Baltimore. Very impressive that the Steelers are doing so well without Le'Veon Bell. And Juju Smith-Schuster doing good. James Conner carrying the load for that team. And Ben Roethlisberger. I think I heard since they didn't trade Le'Veon Bell, they are trying like not to pay him. And then he can't be a free agent next year because he's been holding out. Holding out and they're, he's, they're, he's going to pay him money or trade him whenever he signs his tender or whatever. That's what I've heard, too. So we'll see what happens to that. But, yeah, Dylan, the big game tonight, the Packers and the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots, obviously, the heavy favorites at home. Uh, Dylan, you think the Packers are going to hang? They've been close in so many games. They've been close in a lot of games, and their defense is really good. I think their defense can get to Tom Brady in this game, too. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady's gotten some weapons this season. Hey, you know, it's funny because you look at the very beginning of the season, they didn't really have many weapons, but then they bring in – Josh Gordon, Rob Gronkowski kind of is just doing his thing. He's not really, he's not really being an impact player this season, but he's he's playing well. Um, I, I think the wide receivers they have there in New England um, are are serviceable. Um, but you know, Tom Brady's doing his thing, and and he he's killing it. But Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I just love the way he plays. I love the way that team plays, and and they have um, Jones now. Aaron Jones, I believe his name is. Um, running back for the Green Bay Packers, Adam Jones. Never Adam mind, Adam Jones. Jones. Yeah. 
Uh, Adam Jones for the Green Bay Packers. I actually got him on my fantasy team, so hopefully he does some good things for me tonight. But, um, yeah, I mean, Adam Jones is there in the running back. He, he's leading the backfield. So, you know, I think there are some good things happening in Green Bay. Um, and this is going to be a, a really close game, I think. I don't think it's going to be a blowout on either side, but it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, definitely two Hall of Famers head-to-head. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, just a matchup that everyone wants to see. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the highest-rated um, games this season by far. Yeah, Dylan. Now let's preview tomorrow night as we got a big Ooh. Monday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and the Dallas Cowboys. Deep in the heart of Texas, the Tennessee Titans are going into Dallas reeling at a 3-5 and five record, but can they go in there and win against the Dallas Cowboys? That's the real question. And in my mind, I think well, they can. I think the real question is, can we score a touchdown That's one thing, <laughs> in yes. this game? Yes, that is one thing. But, I mean, I think they – I'm sorry, they're 3-4. and four. I was getting ahead of myself. They're three and four. <laughs> They're not three and five yet, folks. Um, three and four. But yeah, I think the Tennessee Titans can go in there to Dallas and win this game because Dallas, um, they're a bit wishy-washy when it comes to playing at home. I mean, there are times when they look really good at home, but there are times when they don't look very good at home. And yeah, they played Jacksonville last game, their last game, and blew them out like forty to what ten, something like that. Yeah. So, but then they struggled against other teams as well. So yeah, I, the Cowboys—they've been inconsistent, and that's why they made the trade to get Amari Cooper from the Raiders. That, that was a good trade for them. I mean, they did trade a first-round pick. Uh, I would which not was give that kind much of, a first-round yeah. pick for a wide receiver that's been up and down. He's been but up and down. It's the Raiders, and John Gruden doesn't know what he's doing out there. Well, you say that. You say that. Look, the Raiders, look at how many picks they got they have. a lot of picks. Okay, they're 1-7. This is a lost season for the it's Raiders. It's going to be a young team next season, yes. What's going to happen with Derek Carr? They're going to trade him? Uh, maybe. They if were accusing keep, him of crying on the field. If he keeps crying the way he's doing, then yes, oh. they're going to trade him. They're going to get it. Oh, look at that. Saints are up now. They just scored a touchdown. It is to 44-35 in New Orleans. Fantastic for them. And he got out his cell, cell phone. phone. <laughs> Wait a second. There is a celebration going. He, He's <laughs> he pulled the cell phone out from underneath the field goal post, and he's calling someone. Um, Probably calling his mama, I'm, I'm sure assuming. Who. Anyway, that's interesting. Um, but no, but with the Oakland Raiders, John Gruden's doing good things there for next season, but he's tanking for a reason. He's doing these things so he has more first-round picks to where he thinks he can just build a team from the draft, which he does do well when it comes to evaluating young players. He's been doing it for how many years now? At least five, ten years. He's been doing John John Gruden's QB camp. So I think he's done good things. I think he'll do some good things with these draft picks. But anyway, I digress. The Tennessee Titans are going in on Monday Night Football, and they are historically very, very good on Monday Night Football. Ask Keith Bullock, Mr. Monday Night himself, um, they are really, really good on Monday Night Football, especially under the big lights. So expect the Titans to come out and be aggressive in this game. They have to be aggressive, and I think they have to win this game to have any shot in the AFC South. By the way, that we were talking about Michael Thomas with that catch for the touchdown for the Saints, who goes down the field, gets a touchdown, and then gets flagged for pulling a cell phone underneath the goalpost. But, yeah, Dylan, carry on. But yeah, I, I, I do think the Titans are going to go into this game very aggressive with a, a very aggressive offensive scheme. Matt LaFleur will do a great job. He's had an extra week to prepare for this Dallas Cowboys team. 
Um, even though, I mean, it's going to be interesting too, the defensive duel in this game. The Titans D in the top 10 in pretty much every statistical category. The Dallas Cowboys D where their team is actually pretty stout on defense as well. So we'll see what happens in this game. I think the Titans are going to pull this one out narrowly um, because they always like to play up up to the level of their competition. But I think the Titans will still come in to Dallas and win against the Cowboys. JT, what do you think? Yeah, Dylan, I expect a close game. It's kind of ironic because both the Cowboys and the Titans were on buys this past week. And the games before, both the Titans and the Cowboys both lost in nail-biting games. Cowboys losing to the Redskins earlier. And then, of course, our Titans losing, coming up short. So we will see, Dylan. But I think at the end of the day, the Titans, is the offense, if the offense can get clicking, we definitely got a chance. And we know we got a good defense. If we can slow... Dak Prescott down, I expect the Titans to bounce back and win. And this is a crucial win because we don't need because Houston right now is leading the division, and the best case for us is to get the wild card. So we got to win hanging in that playoff race. Who's the X factor for the Titans offense tomorrow night? You got to look at the wide receiver, Corey Davis. You know, I know he's been kind of up and down, has one catch, or not one catch, one touchdown in the last game. But he's, to me, the X factor. I mean, if Marcus Mariota can just get the ball to him, and he has some breakout plays, I think the Titans, Dylan, will find a way to win this game. I also think that with Derrick Henry, he's going to be an X-Factor too, um, especially bringing in a new fullback, um, Fauston from Alabama. Uh, he, he played with Derrick Henry in Alabama. He said, I'm coming in here, and I'm going to help Derrick Henry become the elite running back he wants to be in this league. Um, so huge words from from him. I think that it will be an interesting um, interesting game for Derrick Henry, but Deion Lewis has been looking really good too. So we have the one-two punch in the backfield. We just need to finish it off with some good wide receiver play, and our defense needs to be solid tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens in Dallas. Now let's head over to some basketball news. The Orlando Magic off to a treacherous start so far, 2-6, and six, and they're currently on a four-game losing streak. Not looking so good for the Magic here in Orlando. Yes, however, the Magic are playing the San Antonio Spurs right now. Oh. And they're leading. Wow. 20-17. It's early, though. Yeah, that's really early. And, I mean, speaking of my Spurs, the Spurs have been very impressive this season as well, Dylan. I mean, with all the players we lost, Tony Parker, Ginobili, of course, Duncan being gone two years ago, and we still got Powell Gasol, and DeMar DeRozan carried that team very well for the Spurs. But anyway, back to the Magic. Because we're here in Orlando, we're supposed to talk about the Magic. We're supposed to talk about them. Uh, the Magic, they're on a four-game losing streak. They're trying to bounce back against Spurs right now. Uh, the best player, Nikola Vucicic, has 19 uh, points, average 19 points. Uh, DJ Augustine is their leading assist, <laughs> 4.5 in game. And everyone's talking about Mo Bamba, Mohamed Bamba. Uh, he's only played like eight games, and right now he has – he's averaged over 20 minutes by getting – points you know kind of low point wise but you know it's going to be early in the season he's only averaged like 5.9 points a game but other players you got to watch out for the magic of course Jonathan Isaac Jonathan Simmons you got to worry about Aaron Gordon Evan Fournier can they carry the magic going forward and the magic Dylan they are going to have a tough stretch as we look, they got Cleveland. They might be Cleveland because they've been struggling themselves. Detroit, Washington, teams that are kind of the bottom. 
But then the Mets are going to play New York, Washington, the Sixers, and then they play LeBron James and the Lakers. So the Magic are off to a slow start. But then again, it's early. Let's get the Magic time. Remember, last year we were off to a great start. And then we fall flat our face at the end of the season. So we'll see. It might be the reverse. Start off slow. See Clifford trying to figure out things where to put in his formation for the offense. And then maybe they'll start picking up. The East is weak this year, Dylan. So I think the Magic will push for like those six to eight playoff spots. We'll see. Well, hopefully so. Fingers are crossed here on Out of Bounds. So let's move on to the Houston Rockets that they're not doing so well either. They're not off to a good start. Um, and it yeah, also do with injuries and also suspensions as well. Yeah, the Rockets, who everyone thought was going to crush their vision, aren't doing so good like my San Antonio Spurs, who are currently 6-2. and two. Now, I'm trying to rub it in, Rockets fans, but <laughs> you can hit me on Twitter at JDSocket88 if you have any concerns or want to voice your anger at me. Anyway, so the Rockets, yes, they've been off to a slow start. They were like 1-5. and five. They've won two games now. Of course, remember, Dylan, what affected the Rockets is they brought in Carmelo Anthony, but you lose Trevor Ariza, and you lose Luke Mbuamute and Mbuamute and to free agency. And they've had injuries. James Harden he's had a ham, dealing with a hamstring injury. And as you mentioned, CP uh, Chris Paul has got spent for two games in that brawl that happened last month in, in LA. So the Rockets are off to a slow start, but they're they're picking it up. We'll see. Uh, Mike D'Antoni's just like, look, we just got to figure it out. You know, we, we know we're not playing well, but we got to figure it out. Get things going. We have a lot of high expectations, and we need to make the playoffs this year and go far, especially if you want to compete with teams like the Warriors. A lot of people feel that on the Rockets last season, they would have been a team to beat the Warriors if Chris Paul didn't get injured. And it didn't happen, and the Warriors uh, uh, capitalized an opportunity for them to win. So the Rockets off the slow start. It's surprising when a lot of people thought they were going to be one of the top teams in the East, or the, the West, excuse me. But the Rockets, like again, it's early, like the Magic. I expect them to, to figure it out and bounce back. We'll see. One team that's not going to figure it out anytime soon, apparently, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ugh. The Cleveland Cavaliers started the season 0-6, and then last week on Monday decided announced they were firing Tyron Lue, a coach that had brought him to, was involved in three championships. They won one, and they win the last two finals and lost. However, that was with someone named LeBron James, which is like the—he's like the Peyton Manning of basketball. It's—it's it's like bringing you know when he brought Jim Caldwell into the Indianapolis Colts, and once Peyton left, guess what? Jim Caldwell got fired very quickly, and went to Detroit, sucked there, and then got fired again. Now he's some—he's an assistant somewhere, or a coordinator somewhere. Anyway, you know, with this team, even J.R. Smith wants to leave. He's like, oh wait. LeBron left? <laughs> he just left? Okay. I need to go. Okay, let me get this straight. <laughs> I don't want to stay here okay, anymore. J.R. Smith, if you're listening, let me get this straight. First, you thought you were up. <laughs> you didn't know what time was on left of the clock. And now you just realized LeBron James just left? Oh, he just realized. Where that. have you been? For sure. He just realized. Where that. have you been? Now you want to get traded. But, yeah, Dylan, the, the big issue with Tyron Lue was, from what I've been reading on social media, is that... He was wanted to play the veteran players more, like Kyle Korver and Tristan Thompson, all these players. Of course, Kevin Love's been out with an injury. He's going to be out for six weeks. So that's going to affect the Cavaliers as well. 
But the ownership wants to play younger guys like Colin Sexton and all these young guys coming into the Cavaliers to see what they got. You know, Cleveland, even though they're struggling this year, it's still an attractive team. But they need a young coach, a young coach that can develop these young guys to make Cleveland a competitive team. And what's funny with this whole situation was they were going to make Larry Drew the interim coach. But Larry Drew's like, I don't want that job. I'm not going to be the interim coach if you're going to commit to me long term. I'm not going to waste my time. No. So There's no reason to. We'll see what happens with Cleveland. But another team that's struggling, the Washington Wizards. They are on a five, uh, losing five in a row, and they are 1-7 and, and dead last in the Eastern Conference. I don't know what's going on with the, the Wizards, Dylan. Uh, John Wall and, and that team that everyone thought was going to be really good has really struggled. So that's been kind of crazy with the NBA. You had some teams that have been good but are struggling right now, like the Wizards. And you got some teams like the Sacramento Kings or the Denver Nuggets that are, are kind of surprising right now in the NBA. So that's been crazy as well, Dylan. So we'll see what goes on in the NBA. But, Dylan, I know Tuesday is election day, but if you don't care about the politics, college basketball, what also baby. is going on is college basketball. It's back. The Champions Classic. It starts on Tuesday with the Championship Classic. Uh, we got some big games in that one. You got Michigan State taking on Kansas, and you also are going to have Duke. Duke is playing. Why can I not find it? I just up here. But Duke is playing in the opener as well, and you got other big games going on as well with Pitt opening up against Youngtown State. UCF, I don't know who they're playing, but Tennessee, Dylan, they're playing – Lenore Ryan. I don't know if you heard of them, but that's who they're playing. And there we go. Duke's playing Kentucky. I knew it was somewhere. So, yeah, we got some college basketball starting up. So, very excited about that. Also, the reigning champions in college basketball, Villanova, they're actually coming to Florida at the end of this month to play in the Advocare Invitational at ESPN. Oh, I was going to say, didn't that used to be the Old Spice Classic? I guess they changed the name. They changed the name, Advocare Invitational now. So, yeah, Villanova is going to be there. So, if you want to see some championship-style basketball, you can go on out there to the Invitational. It's the 22nd, 23rd, and 25th of November. So, right around Thanksgiving. All right, Dylan. Let's talk about the major championship that happened within the past few weeks while we were gone. The World Series. And, Dylan... The Boston Red Sox, who was the best team in baseball, breaking all sorts of records throughout their campaign, bounced back after last year, losing to the Houston Astros. They bounced back in a big way, and they crushed the L.A. Dodgers. Four games to one. And they've now, the city, the Red Sox have now won four titles in the last 14 years, Dylan. So, Dylan, what do you think about this team as you look back at this performance? David Price Big, Chris Sale, big, Mookie Betts, big. I mean, good for those guys getting the Red Sox back on top. They're hitting. Their lineup, man. I mean, and they're, they're batters. They, they were just absolutely incredible. Um, they had a great offensive game in the World Series. That, that was one thing that was the kryptonite of the Los Angeles Dodgers. If they were going to go, you know, pitch for pitch, swing for swing up against the Boston Red Sox, um, they weren't going to win. And guess what happened? Exactly that. That that's what happened, and um, Boston just edged them out, one four one in the series. Just killed them in the series, um, and most of those wins were actually in Los Angeles. It's just absolutely insane. 
Um, great, great series by Boston. Um, Los Angeles has some questions. I mean, they Clayton Kershaw is not looking good in the playoffs, but we'll talk in a minute about a contract extension he received today. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible to think they have the highest paid roster, if not the highest paid roster, one of the highest paid rosters in all of the MLB. And they get there, but they never can quite get it. They never can quite, you know, just go over the edge. And it's incredible to me to see that because they have such good players on that team. Manny Machado, Clayton Kershaw, Yasiel Puig, Puig, like great players. And they can never go over the hump. But Boston was able to go in there, win against them. And congratulations to them. Um, They are the new world champions and they get to uh, try to defend their title next season which I think they'll have a good shot of doing because I think most of the p- key pieces that are in Boston are coming back next season, um, which is a good, get the good thing for them. Well, unless you're a Yankees fan and you heard what Alex Cora said during the parade celebration where he's probably going to keep reminding him, hey, remember when we beat you 16-1? to <laughs> Yeah, remember that? Remember that? You remember that? Uh, by Rubate's side. He's a big Yankees fan. He probably doesn't want to hear that. But Here's an update. Uh, Saints just beat the Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams... Falling to eight and one, um, they lost forty-five to thirty-five in New Orleans in the Big Easy. Well, that means those nineteen seventy-two Miami Dolphins. You can pop them champagne because no one's going to finish undefeated this season. Nope, exactly. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. But anyway, now, Dylan, go on about Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, let's move on to his contract. He just got a contract today from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Three years, ninety-five million dollars to stay with the Dodgers. Now, tell me if this makes sense to you. If you were getting a player that had a regular season record of 144 and 64 with an ERA of 2.36, you'd probably pay him this money, correct? Of course. But if you accompany that stat with a 4 and 7 record in the playoffs with a 4.55 ERA, would you still pay him that money? No. No. But guess what they did? They did just that and paid him that money. That was Clayton Kershaw's resume I was talking about, ladies and gentlemen. And the Los Angeles Dodgers made him a very wealthy man in a matter of minutes. Um, absolutely incredible deal for Clayton Kershaw. And congratulations to him because, I mean, he fooled them. Um, but <laughs> I think it's just insane to... I mean, it's kind of like paying Peyton Manning the way they paid him, too. I mean, he, he won two Super Bowls. But, you know, that everybody thinks he's... The Lord, he is the greatest quarterback ever in the history of the NFL. But you see other players like Tom Brady, who's won, what, six now? Six championships and still going. Um, You know, it's absolutely insane to me to see players like that who just can't get over the hump, but they're still getting paid like elite stars. Which, I mean, he is an elite star. Again, regular season, he's fantastic. Playoffs, he has some trouble. And, I mean, I, I think that, I guess Dodgers had to pay him, had to keep him on the roster, but there has to be something they can do to help Clayton Kershaw in those moments because in the playoffs, he is just not very good. Giving up almost five runs a game. Almost five runs a game. That's absolutely incredible. And against Boston, too. I mean, you're going to give up way more than that. No, I agree, Dylan. I, I don't understand either, but the LA Dodgers probably just thinking, well, We'll give it another go next year, make it to the World Series, and then we'll lose. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to our hockey news. Let's just 
do some quick hits here. Austin Matthews will miss four weeks with a shoulder injury. How do you think this will affect the Maple Leafs moving forward with their offensive scheme? I don't think Dylan's going to affect them too much because remember, last year they had Austin Matthews but no John Tavares. Now this year it's the reverse, at least for the next four weeks. So I think the Maple Leafs will be fine, Dylan. They've been playing stellar hockey up there in Toronto, and they know the pressure's on them because a lot of people are expecting that the Maple Leafs are going to try to win the Stanley Cup this season. They brought John Tavares in to win now, and he's going to carry that team while Austin Matthews is trying to get himself healthy. So um, in your mind, who is the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment in the league so far this season? Well, Dylan, the biggest surprise for me in hockey, well, it was the Carolina Hurricanes. They were off to a good start early on, but they've lost – but the Hurricanes have lost four games in a row, so they're starting to go back down after starting off such a hot start. The New York Islanders are not surprised. I mean, they got Barry Trotz, our old coach, so you knew he was going to turn that team around. Even though without John DeVaris, they've done pretty well. They won five in a row, Dylan. They've been hot, the New York Islanders. I'm sure my old roommate Nina is very happy about that. Uh, a team that I thought was going to be good, but has been a huge disappointment the Los Angeles Kings. You bring in Ilya Kovalchuk from the KHL. Yep. You got John Carter. Yep. You got, uh, you got, sorry, Jeff Carter. Why I said John Carter? That's an old Disney movie. That was really bad. <laughs> anyway, Jeff Carter, you have uh, Jonathan Quick, who's now injured because he's on IR. And the LA Kings just announced breaking news. Didn't it? They fired their coach, John Stevens. Of course they did. After a slow start, the Kings were like on a six-game losing streak. They were sitting there at the bottom of the Western Conference, Dylan, with four wins, eight losses, and overtime loss. Wow. So that was really shocking for me because I really thought the Kings were going to do really good. But Dylan, uh, besides your Predators, of course, we know they're on a, always on a hot start. Oh, we'll talk about Who them soon. Who is your surprise of the season and your disappointment? Surprise team so far? Um, Calgary's really clicking so far. With, with James Neal in there, with Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, they're doing some really good things in Calgary. And, and the they're Canucks. Number, they're number they're one in the Pacific. Too. Canucks are doing good as well. You got the All-Canada division. You got, what, Calgary, Vancouver, and Edmonton, and Lena Pacific? Yeah, what? that's absolutely incredible. And, you know, you wouldn't see, you didn't see that, I think it was probably four or five seasons ago, where not a single Canadian team made the playoffs that year. Um, absolutely incredible to see the turnaround there in, in Canada. Um, but then you also look at some other teams, too. My biggest disappointment so far is the Vegas Golden Knights. They have been very underwhelming this season. Going into the season, they were uh, expected to be, in you know, a contender still. In the West, uh, but they're not doing anything in the West so far. Um, it, it's been a tough road for the Vegas Golden Knights. Nate Schmidt has still not been on the ice for them. Um, he's still suspended from his PED use, but uh, it, it's just kind of crazy to see that um, they're not playing as well as they should be. And, I mean, they're getting the sophomore slump early in the season, and um, we'll see if they can actually recover from that. So let's go to a Preds. Caps update real quick. National Predators, they are number one in the NHL so far with 22 points on the season. And they are also, might I add, undefeated on the road this year, which is absolutely incredible. Um, So congratulations to them. I actually saw three of their games, um, two in Nashville, one against the Wild, one against the Flames, which they won both of those. And then also against the Tampa Bay Lightning here in Tampa, 
and uh, they won that game as well, 4-1. So um, they're doing really, really well so far. The offense is clicking. Arvidsson's been out the past two games, so hopefully he comes back soon. He has a lower body injury. Pecorini was out for a few games, um, actually about two weeks. He was on an IR. He had an undisclosed lower body injury, um, but he is back now in net, so he has been doing great things. He just had a shutout last night against the... Boston Bruins, which is an absolutely incredible game, uh, 1-0 in Nashville. Huge game for the Predators. Um, but yeah, Pecorini has been playing lights out so far, and he doesn't look like he's missed a beat since he got in net uh, from his injury. And even against Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, in that game, there were some incredible shots by the Lightning that Pecorini stopped and led them to a 4-1 victory there in Tampa, which is phenomenal. So um, they're rolling right now. And how are the Caps doing, JT? Well, Dylan, it's been a struggle for the Washington Capitals right now. Uh, the Washington Capitals, without Tom Wilson, you thought initially it wouldn't affect us too much, but it kind of is right now. The Capitals sitting in fifth place in the Metropolitan Division. We have five wins, four losses, three overtime losses. We're currently on a two-game losing streak. We lost in overtime last night to the Dallas Stars, 4-3. to Very close game, very entertaining game. But the Capitals uh, come up short. Uh, you got to get credit to the Capitals, or excuse me, the Dallas Stars, Tyler Sagan, and, you know, Jason Spiza carrying that team for the Dallas Stars. And, you know, the Washington Capitals, we got a new coach, Todd Reardon. I think they're trying to learn the system right now, what he's trying to play. And the Capitals, I know they don't seem initially responding, but I think it's going to take time. The Capitals got to get the system, get the players going, and then we'll see – what happens? The Capitals, of course, are making moves on the roster. We got Boyd back. Uh, Nathan Walker has been placed on waivers. We got Travis Boyd coming back in the lineup. Hopefully, we get through a few more games before we get Tom Wilson back, and hopefully things will start clicking for the Capitals. I was not expecting the Capitals with the Stanley Cup hangover to be crushing the Eastern Conference. Not expecting that, but expecting them to at least make it to the playoffs either second or third place, or as a wild card team. So, it's early, but we'll see how the Capitals do. Uh, speaking of teams that it's early, but kind of off to a good start, uh, here locally, the Orlando Solo Bears in the ECHL, they won their game last night over the Greenville Swamp Rabbits for nothing. So, they're at five wins, three losses, and one tie so far in the ECHL, and currently in third place in the South Division in that league. So, they're off to a good start. And remember, this year, they're now partnering with the Tampa Bay Lightning, so they have their players and so of the Maple Leafs players. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool to have that, uh, you know, inner city. It's kind of inner city. Uh, inner city connection. Interstate connection. Uh, there you go. Very awesome. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Anyway, uh, let's move on to JT's favorite subject. It is JT's football recap of the week. And JT, the microphone's all yours. Thanks, Dylan. As always, out of bounds, we're here to recap the latest from the beautiful game. And as always, from a weekend recap, we got to recap what's going on in Europe. And, of course, Dylan, everyone's talking about what's going on in Leicester City. Uh, I know we've been out the last few weeks, but their owner uh, tragically died in a car crash, or car, car crash, excuse me, helicopter crash uh, after Leicester City's previous game against West Ham United. So this is the first game they're playing without their owner. Their owner had been in every game and was involved in the community in Leicester. So the players wanted to play to honor him. So uh, they scored a goal to win their game against Cardiff City 1-0. And as they scored the goal, the player, uh, one of the players took their shirt off and said, it says on the shirt, uh, 
uh, Kuhn uh, Vishai, which is like the owner for the team to honor that late victory for them. So Leicester City, we'll see how they do the rest of the season. But uh, that's just great to see the players honor their late owner with that win. Uh, they weren't the only ones. Arsenal, who were also wearing the armbands. They were wearing black armbands to set, uh, with the Leicester City logo on it. So that's cool to see them uh, kind of get the country in solidarity for Leicester. And Arsenal had a thrilling game against Liverpool where they were leading the game 1-0, and then Lacazette get a goal kind of towards the eighth minute for Arsenal to tie the game 1-1. FC Bayern München had a game against FC Freiburg, and that game ended in a 1-1 draw. Uh, so their coach is continuing to be in the hot seat, and Fiorentina and AS Roma also finished with a draw 1-1. Now, Dylan, Orlando City season ended uh, about a, a week ago. They played, uh, while we were gone, they had played the New England Revolution and lost 2-0 on the 13th. And for New England Revolution, that was their first win in over a month. Then they played Seattle on October 17th. They lost that game 2-1. Then they finally got a win for the first time since July when they beat Columbus uh, at home, their final home game of the season. And then last week, we had to play New Rebels on the road. And they lost that game 1-0 in New Jersey. So Orlando City has officially broken the record for the most goals conceded with 74 goals. And Orlando City, they had finished the season with 28 points, 8 wins, 22 losses, 4 draws. And what was really bad, Dylan, was we were 2-15 and 15 on the road. Oh. So Orlando Whoa. City, you know, they got to figure out what to do next season. A lot of people are talking about the coach, as far as I know, James O'Connor is going to stay because they, it's who they brought in. They're going to give him another shot next year. The question is, is our ownership going to show patience? The fans, from what I've heard, at least speculation is, I've heard the season tickets have dropped by 10% so for next season. So that's not looking good for Atlanta City. This will be our fifth year in the league. We still have not made the playoffs. And FC Cincinnati is coming in next year, making a lot of noise. And I think, Dylan, FC Cincinnati is going to be just like Atlanta United. They're going to blow the doors off. So we'll see what happens with Orlando City. They did also announce a new training facility because their old training facility was in near Lake Nona. Now they're moving to Osceola Heritage Park, which is where the Florida Firefrogs play and the Orlando Seawolves play. And they will open up that training facility next year. They're going to take over where the Houston Astros spring training facility used to be. So that's very interesting as well. But now we'll see what they do. Uh, Dom Dwyer's going to stay. Well, we've heard rumors about Kyle Laren coming back, so we'll see what happens to that when January gets here. Orlando Pride, no news for the Pride, but their old coach, Tom Sermani, they get a new job. He is now going to be coaching the New Zealand women's national team. And for, let's see what I got here, the USL Cup playoffs, just to give you an update on what's going on there, Phoenix Rising beat Orange County 2-1. to one. So DDA Drogba, 48 years old, the legend, he's going to get a chance to play in the final and they will be playing against Louisville City, the defending USL Cup champions. That game will be in Slugger Field on November 8th. They, Louisville City is going to have another chance to defend their title, or will Didier Droba get another trophy in his stellar resume before he retires into the sunset? Let's talk some MLS Cup playoffs. They had the knockout round this past week. New York City FC had beaten uh, Philadelphia Union 3-1. to FC Dallas loses at home to the Portland Timbers. 
DC United, Wayne Rooney, helping that team out, but it was not enough. Had to go to the penalty kicks, and Columbus Crew, for the second year in a row, gets out of a hostile environment on penalty kicks, this time winning 3-2. to two. They are playing the New York Red Bulls right now, and they won that game, the first leg, 1-0. LAFC and Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake, the biggest upset, stunned LAFC at their house, 3-2, so they advanced. So here are your semifinals right now. Columbus taking on New York Red Bulls, I mentioned. Columbus up 1-0 in the first leg. Portland is beat Seattle 2-1, to so up 2-1 to in the first leg in that series. Real Salt Lake will play Sporting Kansas City in a bit. And you also got New York City FC taking on Atlanta United. Let's talk some soccer news. For soccer news, I know we missed a little bit, so I'll recap what happened quick. The U.S. Women's National Team, Dylan, they have qualified for the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup. So unlike this year dealing with the Men's World Cup, we had to find our heritage, find our country, the root for. We don't have to worry about that next year because the women have done it. They won the CONCACAF Championship this year, scoring 24 goals and giving up zero. Wow. So the U.S. Women's National Team, Dylan, are clearly going to be the favorites to win the World Cup clearly. next year. They shouldn't be. And other news that happened, uh, NISA update, National Independent Soccer League, they announced a few expansion teams. So they're going to be not officially yet, but San Diego, 1904, one of the teams. You got New England, you got Charlotte that was announced, and you also got a team going to be based in uh, Philadelphia. So we'll announce those teams shortly uh, as the months go by. USL League One, they announced that FC Dallas will have a second division team or a two reserve team in that league as well. So they're going to confirm they're going to have 10 teams in that league. They're going to have 28 game schedule, and the playoffs will wrap up right by Halloween. One of the teams that are going to be in that league, the Chattanooga Red Wolves FC, soccer club, excuse me. And Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt had a trial contract with the Central Coast Mariners in the A-League, which is in Australia. But Usain Bolt has decided that he's going to leave. They ended his trial there. He won $3 million. Central Coast Mariners like, no, you have barely played any soccer. Why are you going to pay $3 million? So he's a free agent. Maybe Orlando City might look to sign him next year. Who knows? All right, some games Jersey to watch. Jersey sales. <laughs> Jersey sales right there. I know, right? Some games to watch this week. We got the UEFA Champions League. Big game that's going to be Manchester United against Juventus. Uh, we also got Europa League going on this week as well. Uh, we got some next week, or this week, excuse me, weekend's big games. FC Bayern Munich, we're taking on Dortmund. That's going to be on Saturday, November 10th. And then you got on November 11th, which is next Sunday, Manchester City against Manchester United, the Manchester Derby. That's going to be at 1130 at NBCSN. And then you got AC Milan taking on Juventus. That's going to be 230. That game should be on ESPN+. Plus. All right, guys. And that will conclude my football recap of the week. On to some miscellaneous news. The G League is going to be offering $125,000 contracts to top high school prospects as an alternate to one and done in the NCAA basketball uh, beginning in summer of 2019. Major League Soccer will allow teams to sell new endorsement space on jersey sleeves, kind of like the NBA when they have on the patches and stuff on the front of their jerseys, which is pretty awesome. Uh, the Alliance of American Football League announces that it will host its first two championship games in 2019 and 2020 in Las Vegas, Nevada the city that never sleeps. Uh, and then also the NHL announces betting sponsorship deal with the MGM resorts. So huge news for the NHL. Yeah. Not only that Dylan, they're also going to give them like statistics and data and analysis. So I find it very interesting. Cause you remember these leagues, 
they were fighting like sports gambling. We don't want that. We don't want that. And now they're like the NBA. I think the NBA and the NHL. They're very positive about it. So it's kind of interesting, Dylan, to see how they kind of turn around to that. One thing I, I do want to see what's going to happen now with the NHL because I know there's been talk about legalized marijuana and that stuff. And in Canada, they legalized it now. It's it's legal there. So I wonder because they got hockey teams in Canada, obviously. How they're gonna get around that? So well, it's we'll kind of like with Colorado. Thing. Colorado has been legal for several and years Washington now. State. Washington State too. So in Colorado, they had the Avalanche. In Colorado, they also have the Denver Denver Broncos. So I mean, they've had to still be um, marijuana free, I guess you could say, um, to play in these leagues. So it's just based on the rules of the league. I mean, if it's something that's banned across the league they can't make exceptions like that for just one or two places so i still feel it's going to be banned in the nhl um but maybe one day uh, if they find it to be a medical use they might decide to change that and now we are joined by a very special guest in the studio someone who doesn't show up uh very often but when he does he brings the heat he brings a fire it's uncle bobby and uh his scam alert is right now and it better be a good one because we haven't heard one in quite some time. Well, thanks for having me back again. It's not my fault. Now that with time change, I'm a little afraid to drive at night. So anyway, uh, my scam is Orlando City. And I'm going to give a little heads up. I think they might be possibly for sale. Oh. And the reason why I'm saying it is because Pro Soccer USA has been asking for interviews with CEO Alex Leto and majority owner Flavio Augusto da Silva since mid-July, and they've never had one yet. And with what's been going on with MLS, with the stuff happening with Columbus and all that, with the, and the prices, I wonder if they're looking to sell. Um, and the reason why is it's been not very good for them lately, and especially with Kakao retiring, because that was their namesake on the team. And I'm just thinking that may be happening. So I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, do you think this is the best decision for Orlando City, for them to sell? Do you think they would be, be be more successful in the future if they did do decide to sell? It depends on who buys the team deal. I mean, obviously, if, if there's an owner coming with lots of money and he's willing to expend like what Arthur Blank is doing at Atlanta United, then yeah, Orlando City has a chance. But my question is, Dylan, is you know Orlando City, their owners are claiming they're making all this money, but yet the team's floundering at the bottom of MLS. And I don't understand why teams like the LA Galaxy can bring someone like Slaton. Or DC United brings in a Wayne Rooney, and Wayne Rooney carries him to the playoffs. Why can't Orlando City spend that kind of money to bring in a, you know, a middle, kind of European player that's looking for one last page, but you know, be an impact player or someone from South America? Because that's what Atlanta United is doing. They're taking it to the next level. And when FC Cincinnati joins MLS next year, and when Nashville comes in 2020, it's going to get even stronger. And Orlando City, Dylan, they could be in the way bottom for quite a while if they don't turn things around. And I know they announced things like they're going to build a new training facility in Kissimmee now. They're taking over uh, where the Astros used to have the spring training. They're going to build a complex out there at the Osceola Heritage Park. So we'll see what that does with their team. Orlando City B team's coming back. They'll be placed in Mount Verde up there at the Mount Verde Academy. So we'll see what happens with that. So they're making changes off the field. But the question is, what impact are they going to move on the field? And like you said, I mean, there's two things. They are making money hand over fist with the Orlando City soccer team. You you wouldn't think they were, but they are. Um, the main reason why is because they have fans. 
They sell out that stadium pretty much every game they have because there's a huge following for soccer here in Orlando, especially with how diverse this city is, how diverse this state is, because of all of the international visitors coming to Disney World, coming to Universal, um, things of that nature. So we do have a lot of soccer fans here. We do have a a solid fan base for Orlando City. Um, So that's one thing that I think is a very positive note for the Orlando City soccer team. Um, especially for people potentially coming in to purchase the team to make it better. But two, we're used to seeing an owner who is not willing to spend the money for star players in Tennessee. With the Tennessee Titans, Bud Adams was that guy for years, for years. So when he passed away, we thought, oh, great. These owners are going to start you know, spending their money. We should be bringing in better players than we are. But guess what? It's still been kind of mediocre. We're not playing. We're not paying the players the way they're supposed to be. Play, uh, they're supposed to be paid. Um, we'll see what happens with Marcus Mariota because he has a big contract coming up soon. If they decide to keep him, which I think they will. Um, but you know, it, it's it's one of those things that you have to spend money to make money, and in sports, you have to spend money to be successful. You have to spend money to be um, a quality team in a league. You look at the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They've been to the World Series two years in a row. That's not a coincidence. They've spent a lot of money on that roster. That roster is the highest paid roster in the MLB for a reason. They're, I mean, you go to a World Series two times, you better be the highest paid roster. But I mean, they've lost. But I mean, it's Clayton Kershaw, which we talked about earlier in the show. But still, I think that, you know, we have to figure out a way for them to bring better talent into Orlando. And we have to make it to where it's um, a win-win situation for the player and the organization. Because a player wants to play for a team that wants him there, but he wants to get paid as well. But I'm still confused about the whole Kaká thing because, you know, people thought he was going to be here at least a lot longer than he was. Yeah. Um, and I, he was paid really – he was paid a lot of money. He was. He so, was. But we it's, it's kind of like um, looking at, you know, Tom Brady in the NFL. Tom Brady is he's had a hometown discount for years. He's not being paid the money he should be getting paid as an elite quarterback in the league. But it's because he's spreading the wealth to all of the players on the team. So he's making it to where it's not just him to where he's taking up the bulk of the cap hit. He is making it to where he can get pieces around him to become successful. And he's done that. In New England, they've done that. Now you look at the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, but when's the last time he went to the Super Bowl? Right. You know, I mean, it's just because it's a distribution of wealth, and it works in sports teams. But 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 Kaká, didn't he make more than the who's the guy for LA? Get the FC uh, Z- Zebrahimovic. Yeah, he got like three million right to come over and play. Right? What is like? Three? Yeah, he's making like one and a half to like two million dollars. Right, Kaká made, made more than he did. That's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So sure. that's. I mean, I just I think something's coming down. Yeah. I, I just think something's going on. With well, the there has been speculation that MLS is considering. We don't know if it's official, but it's been a rumor going around that I've been seeing on Twitter that MLS is thinking about dropping the third DP slot and increasing the TAM money and hand money, whatever they call it, to for these teams to bring in their academy players or, you know, kind of mid-level players like South America. And this way they can make have more money to spend when they go in competitions like the CONCACAF Champions League or possibly Copa Libertadores in 2020 because that's the next rumor that they like might join with the Mexican teams. All right. 
That'd be interesting. Okay, yeah. let's move over to winners and losers. JT, I will start with you first. All right, guys. So my winner this week is going to be the – we missed some time, but the hashtag Save the Crew movement. They were very successful, and looks like they're going to – Columbus Crew are going to stay, and they're doing pretty good in the MLS playoffs right now. They just beat the New York Red Bulls 1-0 in the first leg, so we'll see if they can make it to all the way to MLS Cup. But they got to get to the second leg. But – they're my winners. They well, all the campaign. You know, now MLS is not going to move Columbus Crew. They will stay in Columbus. Anthony Preport will get an expansion team, but they'll play in Austin and won't start until like 2021. So the crew they're going to keep the team. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, and a guy who's going to be the owner in Columbus, they're going to join forces to own that team. So that's very exciting for Columbus Crew. My other winner, of course, the Oakland Roots. Uh, the new logo you haven't seen it go on their website or go on Twitter. Oakland Roots. Their logo is really nice. My illusion this week, Dylan, is unfortunately the city of Cleveland. They got rocked this past week as both the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Cavaliers fired their coach basically within like 24 hours. It was crazy. Cleveland got rocked. They weren't expecting that. The Cleveland Browns didn't help much. They lost in their football game today against the Chiefs. So the Hugh Jackson, he didn't know what to do with Baker Mayfield. He had him, but didn't know what to do with him. And I'm like, Cleveland, what are you waiting for? He didn't win. He went winless last season, and the year before he only won one game. You waited this long to fire him, you know? And then with the Cleveland Cavaliers, with Tyron Lue, I'm not surprised because LeBron James was the reason why he was there as long as he did and getting the finals and winning one championship. But there was a divide between the young players and the old players, and he, Tyron Lue wanted to play the older veteran players. And I'm like, Kyle Korver... J.R. Smith, they're not getting a job done. And Kevin Love's going to be out for six weeks. So that didn't make sense. So that's what they let him go. My other loser, unfortunately, is the University of Maryland, as initially they decided that they were going to keep DJ Durkin. And then a day later, after getting all this pressure from the media and everyone from protests, student protests, all that, next day, you know what, DJ Durkin, we're going to let you go. <laughs> and I don't understand this, Dylan, because... It's a change of heart, JT. Maryland... I mean, after what happened with uh, Jordan McNair and, I mean, what his family said and everything after his death. And I don't understand why you, you suspended him. You could have let him go right then and there. You could I know it's different from what happened with Urban Meyer at Ohio State, but there was no upside for Maryland. The coach was like, what, 10 and 15? Maryland wasn't doing well in the Big Ten Conference. How is that guy going to go and recruit athletes to go to his school after what happened? How can you do that? And I thought Dylan Maryland would have lost all credibility if they kept him. It just wasn't going to work out. So in the end, they made the right decision. But Maryland, come on. You could have saved yourself some time if you did this, like, in the beginning, you know? But that's my winners and losers this week. Uncle Bobby, who are your winners and losers this week? All right, so my winner is Simone Biles, won her fourth all-around championships at the World Gymnastic Games. Um, she did it with kidney stones, and she could not take any pain medicine because of the doping issues. And she also fell twice and still had enough points to win. And also the U.S. team did qualify for the Olympics trials, so they are ready. And hopefully they'll have a repeat like in 2016. And also my loser is the Boston Red Sox fans with their nice beer-throwing contest during the parade just so you could throw the most beer at the players. And on top of that, they damaged the World Series trophy, and they also hit manager Alex Cora. So that's my losers. Wow. All right, well, my winner and loser this week. Winner is going to be Sam Bradford, former quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he's a winner because he got cut by the worst team in the league, and one of the worst teams in the league anyway. 
And um, he has a chance to go to another team now. And he is also getting paid as well. So that's always a good thing, too. Uh, my loser this week is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, for cutting him, for paying him as much money as they did in the first place, even with zero playoff appearances in his career, uh, hardly any regular season appearances, for that matter, because of all of his injuries, um, it, it sucks to suck, I guess. I mean, that that's just, it's hard. Um, like, you know, life's hard. Wear a helmet. I heard when the Cardinals released them, isn't getting paid like $13 million oh, yeah. after three games? Yeah, he got like a roster bonus, um, a signing bonus. Like, yeah, he, he's he's doing well. I think he's made over over $100 million, I think $109 million in his career, and he's played, what, maybe 50 to 60% of his games that he's been able to play in? Like, it's just insane. Absolutely insane. But anyway, winners and losers there. And now, final thoughts. Uncle Bobby, since you are joining us um, on this very special occasion, we'll let you go first. Yeah, so my final thought is the NFL, um, they're doing their hashtag salute to service. And what they're doing is on every NFL player's helmet, they have a branch of service on the helmet. And also the coaches are wearing a special uh, shirt to wear on the field. Uh, but if you uh, do a hash salute that uh, service hashtag on Twitter, they'll donate five dollars, and their goal is five million. Last year, he did one point seven million, so they're trying for five million, and they have five charities that they're going to donate the money to evenly uh, if they make that, which they should with no problem, hopefully. And that's my final thought. Nice, JT. Well, my final thought goes out to my new friend. Uh, last month, I was doing some coverage for the Cup US Soccer website. And I was covering the Hurricane FC against Sporting Orlando SC, which are based right here at Celebration High School, Sporting Orlando SC. And I, I was talking to uh, Fabricio Asunito, and he scored two goals in that game to help them win. And again, Hurricane FC helped them advance to the next round of the tournament of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup qualifiers. So he's a really cool guy. Obviously, you can follow him out on social media and everything. And he's a really good kid. So I just wanted to give him a shout out and wish him good luck in the next game on November 17th in their next match. And, of course, you know, Dylan, you know, Tuesday, Election Day, not very political on this show, of course. That's not what it's listening for. But, (laughs) hey, if you guys want to go vote, go right ahead. I take care of that. So, you know, hope you guys go take care of that. But that's my uh, final thought. Dylan, what is your final thought? My final thought goes out to the Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel especially. When we play against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas on Monday night, we better win this game. We have to win this game to keep our head afloat in the AFC South. We have to. I mean, that, that's the big news there. Um, Marcus Mariota, I mean, he needs to do some things offensively. He needs to run the ball. The wide receivers need to help him out as well. But I, in this game, it's going to be a really big indicator for what's to come in the rest of the season. We already had our bye week. Hopefully the guys rested up. Hopefully we got healthier. And uh, hopefully we go in there to Dallas and show them what it's all about. Show them what it's like to be a Titan and uh, tighten up on Monday Night Football. So uh, hopefully Keith Bullock will be there to at least cheer him on on the sidelines because he is Mr. Monday Night, of course. So, um, But yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Thanks for listening to the show this week, guys. You can follow us on Facebook at Abounds with Dylan James, on Twitter, OOB Podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram, Dylan James underscore FL, as in Florida, or Twitter, Dylan underscore James, or you can email me at Dylan at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com. And JT, what are your social media handles, sir? 
You guys can reach me on Twitter at JTSaka88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSoccerSports. And you can email me. It's JT at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com. Uncle Bobby, any? Uh, well, as I've mentioned before, I had Twitter, but I got hacked, so I deleted it. And I would have if you email me. Aren't you on me. Facebook, though? I'm on Facebook, but it's scary on there, too, because <laughs> I keep getting all this weird stuff sent to me. And it's just like, you know. It's not I, Mark I Zuckerberg trying to. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I know he's in trouble. They're, in talking tr- about, they're talking about get rid of him. They want to maybe vote him out of the. Uh, well, pick him out, yeah, because of what's going down with everything that happened. But the privacy stuff. Well, more than that, yeah. Um, yeah. But the issue is no uh, privacy issues here, though. Don't worry. No, right. no, no, no. <laughs> that's not right. Here. But I not mean, here. if people want to contact me, they call me through the show. But they know nobody has because they know I'm getting all this spam, and I don't want to give it to them because I'm, you know, I'm looking out for everybody. So I'll take all the spam in the world. I won't eat any, but I'll take it, and that way <laughs> nobody else gets it. So. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, go through the show. Otherwise, you'll see me in person, and I'll, I'll be helping you like I always do anyway, and that's how it works. But if you have Chick-fil-A sandwiches you want to send Uncle Bobby, you, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, I have one expiring November 12th, so if anybody wants it, just uh, it won't be like that last <laughs> one where they had a contest, and I gave the gift card and the chicken sandwich yeah. to somebody. But uh, I have one expiring November 12th, so if somebody wants it, just email them and let me know, and I'll, I'll get it to you. Or tweet at us, OOB Podcast. We'll give you that Chick-fil-A sandwich. The first one to tweet us at OOB Podcast right now, today, uh, we'll do a drawing for that and see, you know, who wants that Chick-fil-A sandwich. Yeah, like I said, it expires November 12th, so. Yeah, we'll do it quick. Anyway, have a good night, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.